0: Welcome to the No Water Methodist Church Podcast, where we hope to encourage you in your spiritual journey so that you may be a blessing to your local church and to the world. friends, thanks for joining us for another No What a Methodist podcast. We uh, once again are putting up our Sunday message from the previous Sunday, and it's the first Sunday of Advent. If you don't know, Advent is one of the traditional Christian liturgical seasons. It lasts for the four weeks, the four Sundays before Christmas and, and the days in between. It was originally designed as a sort of miniature Lent in order to initiate all the Christians that were coming in. Um, the liturgical... Uh liturgia means worship in Greek, and so liturgical just means having to do with our worship, our our way of life. There are different seasons where most people are familiar with the light ones, uh, Christmas and Easter, but there are some dark ones too, Lent and Advent, and there's a purpose to all of them. Advent comes from the Latin adventus, which means coming, and it's four Sundays where we very intentionally and directly talk about the fact that Christ is... Is coming again. Uh, The Greek word for it is parousia. We are expecting Him to show up again and bring God's kingdom. That's what the Messiah was always purported to be doing. Um, He's been taking longer than we anticipated, and so we talk about that a little bit um, during the service. But our readings deal with uh, God's faithfulness, and so we talk about what it means to be faithful in light of how faithful God is to us, how we should be towards Him and towards others. Um, We talk about the sincere desire that becomes found in our hearts to be with one another whenever we love Christ, how that that love results not just in faithfulness to God, but in faithfulness to one another and wanting to be close together, hence the Church. And then the final reading is Jesus talking about uh, the signs of the times before His coming. And uh, I don't have anything super exciting to say about that particular topic, however, there are good reflections on Jesus' exhortations to be watchful and ready and what that means for our daily lives. So, um, you know, any time spent in the Word is going to be worthy. I hope that my reflections are helpful for you on your spiritual journey. I just want to encourage you to observe a holy Advent this year, uh, go into this time of anticipation and watchfulness, and, hey, maybe it'll spill over to the rest of your life. Wouldn't that be quite a thing? So, Anyway, I'll quit talking and and let you get into your meditative place and and, uh, reflect on God's word with me. Blessings to you.
1: Let's listen to the word of God. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will perform that good thing which I have promised unto the house of Israel and to the house of Judah. In those days and at that time, will I cause the branch of righteousness to grow up unto David. And he shall execute judgment and righteousness in the land. In those days shall Judah be saved, and Jerusalem shall dwell safely. And this is the name wherewith she shall be called the Lord our righteousness. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
0: So there are people I work with from time to time, get on a bad track in their life, and they want to do better and usually what that begins with is shared agreements. I'll do for you, and then you do for you. Uh, you know, if, if you're really invested in this, let's see some good, and I'll tell you, I have a 100% success rate of sitting down with people and then going, yep, yep, I need to do that, I'm gonna do that. I have close to like a 10% success rate of them actually doing the things that they say they're gonna do, usually. There's one guy in particular, I know he's gonna come back into my orbit one of these days, And I know he's going to show up and say, hey, I need help again, Pastor. And I'm going to say what I've said for a long time is, hey, last time I seen you, you said you were going to do this and you didn't do this. Why didn't you do this? And like so many times before, he's going to say, well, I was going to do this, but then something came up. I I had this other complication and you know what? I just couldn't do it anymore, preacher. Anybody ever heard that saying, a man's word is his bond? And it applies to women, too. Jesus stands behind this. He says, let your yes mean yes, and your no mean no. Anything more is of the evil one. Our lives are not to be meant uh, uh, negotiating the things that we've said we're going to do. We just say we're going to do things, and then we do the things. And we'll come back to this with the psalm because it talks about faithfulness. You know, and it, the ways of the Lord are faith, faithfulness, it says. And so we'll come back to the faithfulness. But is when God says he's going to do something, does he do it? Or does he welch? Does something come up that he didn't see coming and going, well, I knew that I was gonna restore, I was gonna restore the household of David, but then you guys were really bad. So I, I decided I'm not gonna do that anymore. Is that what happens scripturally? Well, I knew I was gonna, I was gonna send my kingdom of peace, but then you guys were real jerks about it, so I decided I'm just gonna let you sit and suffer forever now. Is that how God works? No, God is faithful. He's told us what he's gonna do, and he's already done some of it, and he will do the rest because God is faithful faithful. Can anyone say amen to that? Amen. We know God is faithful. We know God is faithful. Most uh, any one of us if you sat us down at our kitchen table, a lot of us would not be comfortable talking about Christian doctrine, but if someone just asked you, is God faithful? You'd say, "Well, yes." I think every single person here would say that. And yet, what does it mean when God is faithful? We'll we'll say we know God is faithful, but what we're going to be talking about through all the readings today is when God says that he is going to end this realm and rework all of creation and that that he's going to build a new heaven and a new earth and the only ones who are going to be there are those who are in Christ Jesus and we're going to be judged based on how we've lived a lot of people really don't believe that they don't lead daily lives acting as though they believe that they know that God is faithful and yet they choose to believe that God is not going to be faithful today well sure he'll bring his kingdom someday but not today not tomorrow i have time left see here what god is doing through jeremiah is he's rehearsing his faithfulness he's saying i am going to honor the covenant i made with david and i that that blessing is going to spill out to jerusalem and if you've read the new testament you know that jerusalem figures in heavily not just in what happened back then but what will happen in the new creation there's a new jerusalem prepared as a bride for her husband who is christ jesus and she is a big deal. And that's where we're all going to live. I don't know how to feel about this. I like my home here in no I don't much like cities, to be honest with you. But what we're told is in the new creation, the heaven city, Jerusalem, we're all going to be there. And you know, the most important thing is God's going to be there with us. And like so many things that talk about the new creation and heaven, a lot of that doesn't sound real good to me. I really couldn't care less about gold streets. that you can. I mean, I'm sure it's cool, but I'm just fine with our... Or whatever it is out here, I'm fine with that as long as it doesn't crumble anymore. But uh, I really don't want to live in a city. But I'm going to trust that God is good and that his promises are so much better than I can imagine. And if God is there, surely I want to be there too, right? Do you want to be where God is? Do you know that God has told you how he wants you to live in order to be with him there? Do you know that God has set some expectations? that there is a culture of god that he has initiated us into that he expects us to live into or is this a concept we're familiar with because there are a lot of there are a lot of churches that preach oh you can be worldly all you want and god is still going to take you in the problem is anytime you crack open your bible those words nothing like those words happen to be in there so we're going to go on to our other readings that tell us to be faithful as god is faithful to be holy as god is holy And then I want us to be reflecting on what does my life look like if I am holy and faithful as God is holy and faithful. Several years ago, there was a little girl here who was Susanna's age. And she and Susanna were best friends. And uh, this morning in the middle of worship at Delaware, Susanna said, Hey, where is that little girl? I miss her. She said her name. I'm not saying her name because I don't think that's helpful. But... The reason Susanna asks is because she hasn't learned to be jaded like I am. You know, most of us have learned to be jaded. We're a part of groups, and people come and go. They fall out, and we just learn to not talk about them anymore. We don't know why they're not here. We, We don't know what got them upset, or we do know what got them upset, and we think it shouldn't have made them upset. We just don't talk about it. But my daughter, she hasn't learned to be that way yet, and she loves and misses those whom she's bonded with in the Lord. And most of us know that that's probably a better way to be in the world than to uh, pretend like it's okay for people to just up and disappear. But the reason you and I have learned to be that way is because people are not faithful. People make commitments that then they don't measure up to and oftentimes they will rebel against and resent. It's not just with the Lord, it's with marriages, it's with commitments to nonprofit organizations. I remember I worked for an environmental nonprofit in Little Rock, We, we put on Arkansas Earth Day every year and there was a guy that signed up to help out, and I called him, and I said, okay, can we count on you for this day? And he said, no. And I said, okay, can we count on you for this thing? And he said, no. And I said, well, what can we count on you for? You wrote your name down. And he said, I can't believe you're talking to me this way. I'm not going to help you at all. I said, sounds like we're not losing anything, and he hung up on me. And he was so upset that he wrote me an email back saying, I, you know what, you're lucky I even signed up, and you're the, you're the reason that people get turned off, and I said, you're the reason people get turned off and what people don't want to do my job. You know, and the church is no different. I mean, I sh- pastors sometimes think that we have a, an exceptional job. We don't have an exceptional job. We're dealing with the same population. I originally, I didn't even, <laughs> sorry, excuse me. I didn't, I didn't even really believe this stuff when I became a pastor. I really didn't. I, I went, I, I was a social justice person. I thought it was so scandalous that people who say they follow Jesus are not doing more good in the world. So I wanted to just be the head of an organization and threaten people with hellfire, and they would behave better than those Arkansas Earth Day chumps who didn't—they didn't have the threat of hell to motivate them, right? So I was going to motivate people with hellfire, and little did I know, people don't respond to that anymore. They should, they generally don't, you know. So anyway, I read my Bible, and it turns out all this is true, and I actually believe it now. But it still breaks my heart that a lot of people—they're just not faithful. They just don't come through. For you um they say they'll be somewhere and then they're not there and it's tied to that guy i was talking before it's it's not just people outside of the church a lot of times it's people inside of the church they they say the vows of membership or they show up at, you don't have to join the membership for people to feel like they should rely on you you know it's like um it looks like marriage and shacking up together if you shack up with someone for nine months and then you cheat on them they still have a right to be upset with you because even if you haven't said the marriage vows, you have formed a life together, right? What's great about marriage is you make it right in the eyes of God. It's it's in rebellion against God's eyes until you make it right with God through marriage. But but the act of cheating hurts whether or not you're married or not. And likewise with the church, it doesn't I mean it's great if you said your membership vows, but even if you haven't, if you're here most weeks, if, if we love you, if we're friends, it hurts when you're not with us anymore it hurts when you move along it hurts when I mean we've had plenty of people here who were part of the lifeblood of this community and one day they just decide no it's not for me and sometimes they move away sometimes there's a legitimate excuse but sometimes well it's like the guy I was talking about before they had every intention of being good to us but then one day things changed and they're just not committed they're just not good to live up to their word you know and when we're thinking about us within the community of faith, our next reading, our First Thessalonians reading, it's going to talk about the importance of actually being together in person. And when we love one another, when you love somebody, don't you want to be close to them? Don't you want to be with them? And then when you love God, don't you think it's good to come and actually worship him in the community of saints? I think we're all here because we agree that that's important, right? And yet so often, even though God is faithful to us, We will welch on our commitment to him based on what else is going on in our lives. Yeah, I'll be there this Sunday unless X comes up. What's X? I know none of you are like this, but surely we know of some people who are here if nothing else is going on. Sure, I'll fulfill my commitment if nothing else is going on, but what are things that people will miss the Holy Assembly for? Yeah, go ahead, Stephanie. Okay, work. Work, and then, you know... Even though the Bible says we should reserve one day, a lot of our work schedules don't allow for that. We have, we have irregular work schedules and we have work that, that needs to be fulfilled. What are some other things that people will skip worship for? You can, you can tattle on yourself. Go ahead. I've confessed up here. I'm a sinner so many times. Go ahead and confess. Okay, don't confess for your neighbor. You're perfect. What are some things that people skip worship for? Family obligations, yeah. I remember. I remember. Uh, I, I used to belong to a, a church where there was a lady. Anytime her family visited, she said, "Oh, I'm so excited! I get to bring my whole family to church." But how many people are like, "Sorry, you won't see me this weekend. I got family in town." It's kind of the opposite, isn't it? People, well, my family won't come. Well, who do you love more, your family or Jesus? Sign our family. I'm going to go worship my first love. I love you guys. You're my second love. How hard is that? If they're offended, they probably should be. They should be with Jesus. That's good. Good on you for making them uncomfortable. What else do people choose to, to, to skip worship for? What else, Clayton? Okay, if they're sick. And that's a considerate thing because we don't want to get each other sick. Frank and Laura weren't here last week. They've been sniffly and uh, they didn't want to pass that along to us. That's probably, that's out of love for each other that, that they do skip. So, okay. Any other reasons why people will skip? Travel, okay, so often to see family or for work or sometimes for fun, but I can't be with you. I'm across the country, in which case, yeah, they can't be in two places at once. So, yeah, how, how could they be here? Does anyone ever just sleep in because they're just tired? So they're just, I'm not saying do you. I'm just saying does anyone. And yet we all know people, yeah, had a rough night last night. I was up drinking till one. You don't expect me to be there this morning, do you? Yes, I do. Yes, I do. Well, I worked the last six days i'm really tired you don't expect me yes i do yeah it's not my expectation do you think the lord expects it yeah i'm gonna say the one i'm gonna say the one i shouldn't say it but sports are a big conflict a lot of the time for the church there's a there's a preacher named david platt he was given a, a sermon in southern alabama he said you know we've got two big sports teams close and let's look at starting on Friday, people get excited. On Saturday, they're partying all day. They got their team colors on. They get together. They're, they're, chant- they're singing and chanting together. They're so excited when it's all over. They're so sad. And then you can barely wake them up on Sunday morning, and they drearily come and pass out in a pew, and they can just barely sing. If you were an alien species looking at our species, would you think that we worship sports or that we worship God more? And depending on who you're talking about, a lot of times you'd think that we're more excited about sports than we are about God. Meanwhile does God's affections for us change at all? Absolutely not. God loves us the same all day, every day, each week. It's us who falter and we go, "Well, this Sunday I don't love you as much Jesus because I got this going on. I got a conflict this. You know, you see how this most of us don't think of it in those terms. We say I love you the same, but what does it say to God if I'm only here whenever there's not something better going on? You know? Does the I know that we don't use we're not nobody here would say I've got something better going on, so I'm not going to be there. But I tell you, there's a lot of people who call me and say, you know what, Pastor, I'm not going to be there today. I'm just uh, I don't have much energy, and they expect me to say, oh well, stay home. Well, no, I mean some of you have done it. I've said, well come to worship anyway. You need to be with us. You know, had a rough night last night. Well come to worship anyway. You need to be with us. So I'm gonna I'm gonna put this down for a second, and if you're mad at me i'm sorry i I don't feel good about making people mad but we'll come to the first thessalonians reading and you'll see the affection that's supposed to bind us together and how excited we're supposed to be to do this so let's uh let's go ahead and um no we're going to sing number 196 come thou long expected jesus we're going to beg jesus to come to us and then we'll do our first thessalonians reading all right i already set up the next reading it's Paul writing to the Thessalonians about the affections that bind them together and what the purpose of those affections are. So, Gwen's going to come read this to us.
1: Today's third reading comes from Paul's first letter to the church in Thessalonica, chapter 3, verses 9 through 13. You, you can find on pages 1662 of your Pew Bibles. Let's listen to the word of God. For what thanks can we render to God again for you, for all the joy wherewith we joy for your sakes before our God. "'Night and day, praying exceedingly "'that we might see your face "'and might perfect that which is lacking in your faith. "'Now God himself and our Father "'and our Lord Jesus Christ "'direct our way unto you, "'and the Lord make you to increase "'and abound in love one towards another "'and toward all men, even as we do toward you. "'To the end he may establish your hearts "'unblameable in holiness before God, "'even our Father, at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, with all his saints. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to
0: God. So the Advent part of this was um, the last part of verse 13. To the end that me, he may establish your hearts unblameable in holiness before God, even our Father, at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. So saints is holy ones. Here it's almost certainly talking about his holy ones in heaven, the heavenly host. That's talking about the second coming of Christ. It's saying, there is a day coming when Christ is going to come and observe who his people have become, and we need to be unblameable. We need to be pure and, and perfect, spotless, without blemish. These are all biblical terms. That's what we're aiming at. And you're, what you're aiming for very much determines what you do. You know, whenever I was in middle school, I was a terrible basketball player. No part of me ever wanted to go pro. I only showed up to mandatory practices, and I was benched most of the time. But if I thought that I needed to go pro, I would have been practicing all day, every day. What's happened is early Christians knew that every single one of us is called to go pro. Go with the metaphor here. Paul talks about needing to run a race, a marathon, if you will. And all of us need to get to the finish line. But if we're not training every day, we're not going to run the race well. We're not going to make it. So here the whole point is Paul is saying, I want to be with you look at this verse 10 night and day i've been praying exceedingly that we might see your face and might perfect that which is lacking in your faith and he means that out of a place of love he's not saying your faith is really lacking and i need to get over there and help you guys he loves them and he's saying we're all lacking in our faith and in order for us to be fulfilled we need to be together we need to minister to one another we need to to encourage one another and so that's what the whole point of this assembly is. He's saying, my heart longs for you, and I want to be with you. And it's not as this paternal thing. He's a little paternalistic, but he's not looking down on them. He's saying, I love you, and I want to be with you. And I asked in Delaware, I said, when you love somebody, do you want to be with them? And one lady said, not all the time. And that's, that's a joke, but it's also a sad truth. Worldly love mandates that we can love somebody, but we cannot like them. You know, Some of us might have family members. We love them, but please don't come over. I love you, but please, let's keep our distance. I want to love you, you know, and if, I'm, if you're talking, we're not going to love each other anymore. We're at least not going to like each other anymore. That is a worldly kind of love. The heavenly love wants to be close. You know, God loves us so much that he sent his only begotten son to be with us, to get dirty with us, to get sick with us, to the point where we eventually killed him, all right? That's what love looks like. When you love somebody, you want to be with them. And so that's the picture of the beloved community that Paul has here. He says, I've been praying about you, and I just want to be with you. I want us to be together so that we can, we can fulfill each other, we can add to what is missing, because the reality is if it's just me and Jesus, I'm not going to have what it takes. I need the community of faith gathered around me, praying for me, correcting me, encouraging me. That's the biblical model. No, no saint you have ever met, no true saint you have ever met has it been just between them and Jesus. There's a community of faith. And that's why, you know, say married couples. Being married is hard. Being married is very hard. And you're not going to do, if uh, there are studies that have shown that if a married couple is friends with a couple that gets divorced, the likelihood of their own divorce goes up. The company you keep very much affects your relationships. And if you're surrounded by people who don't have a faithful relationship with God, your relationship with God is probably not going to be strong. The point of the church is, here are the people who are going to have a strong relationship with God. We're all in the same covenant. We're all encouraging one another. And we're going to bring out the best in one another. Have you ever been with somebody that you're just like, man, this person makes me better than I am alone. That's why I married Sarah Beth. I just wanted to be the person she saw me as. You know, my do- Anybody ever seen the uh, meme, I want to be the person my dog thinks I am? Sarah Beth's not a dog. She's my wife, and she she sees the bad. But if you've ever had a dog, your dog just looks at you and loves you. You know, and that's the kind of people, that's what the church is committed to be. Out in the world, nobody might love me, but this is the people that are committed to me, and they see the bad stuff, and they correct that. They see the good things, and they bring it out. Well, what do I do if I'm the squeaky wheel? What do I do if I'm the, the one covered in warts, and I'm icky, and I'm just hard to get along with? What then? What do we do with the squeaky wheel? give it the grease you got to come and let us give you the grease if you're the squeaky wheel if you're a curmudgeon if you're just hard to like if if people don't like you give us a chance and we might not like you but we'll love you and we're going to grease you all up and we're going to encourage you and we're going to say hey brother you probably shouldn't do that and you're going to swallow your pride and you're going to give in to the way of life that christ has in store for you because at the end of time it matters it matters we have a righteous God who will come and judge. And if we're going, God, I just didn't like the church very much, and they didn't like me very much, and I just, you know, for our own good, I just stayed away. That's not going to be a valid excuse. When you love somebody, you want to be with them. I'll tell you, I'm a pretty judgmental person. I am. I'm a very judgmental person. And it's really weird the way that you and I, we gather together each week. And there's some of you that, that were it not for the church, we would not even like each other, much less love each other. But I genuinely love every single person in the church. Because I've seen you at your best, and you've made commitments to me, and I've made commitments to you. And when we're all together, we're found faithful. And I just pray for more and more of that in the future. It's been such a blessing to walk in faith with you guys i'm so glad i didn't move along after a year or two that we've been together for six and a half years i don't know some of you might be in the mood for a new preacher by now you've heard everything i have to say but even if you're tired of me this is a wonderful group of people do me a favor and look around at these people here look at all these wonderful people here i know and love each of you some of you don't know each other as well as you ought that's why we have these meals for you to gather and visit together that's why we do other social functions but these are your people. This is your crew. This is your covenant community. And we're so blessed to be able to go through life with one another and not alone. Can anyone say amen to that? I was mean for a minute, but we ended on a nice note. I lo- I do I love I love the church. It's crazy to me. I remember growing up in the church and going, I could never love these people. I did not I pff, I was a bad church member. Ma- I was not even a Christian growing up to be honest with you, but I love being in a true church where people love each other. All right, I'm going to quit talking. Let's sing it about the love that we have that binds us together. number 557. Blessed be the tie that binds. All right, Our final reading will be from the Gospel of Luke chapter 21 verses 35. Uh, it says 35, 25 through36. You can find it on page 14:75 of your pew Bibles. Listen again to the word of God. And there shall be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars. And he spake to them a parable, Behold the fig tree and all the trees. When they now shoot forth, ye see and know of your own selves that summer is now nigh at hand. So likewise ye, when ye see these things come now to pass, come to pass, know ye that the kingdom of God is nigh at hand. Verily I say unto you, This generation shall not pass away till all be fulfilled. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. And take heed to yourselves, lest at any time your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting and drunkenness and cares of this life, and so that day come upon you unawares. For as a snare shall it come on them that dwell on the face of the whole earth. Watch ye therefore, and pray always, that ye may be accounted worthy to escape all these things that shall come to pass, and to stand before the Son of Man. This is the word of the Lord so we've already talked this through pretty good i'm not one of the pastors that gets into all of the signs of the times because i don't know how to fit them all together and a lot of them argue with each other and they divide from each other and it just gets nasty and i just don't see the point of that the point that i hold on to is verse 35 for as a snare y'all know what a snare is a trap for as a snare shall it come on all of them that dwell on the face of the whole earth do you dwell on the earth well, it's going to come as a trap. You're not going to see it coming. Jesus said, I don't know when it's coming. Nobody. They did say there'd be signs, but there doesn't seem to be anybody who has eyes to see. The whole point here is be ready. Be ready. Watch ye therefore. Verse 36, this is the last end. Watch ye therefore and pray always. By watch, it doesn't mean sit as a consumer. It means be ready. Don't be asleep. And the main warning it has here is in verse 34 Take heed to yourselves, lest at any time your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting, drunkenness, the cares of this life. Those are the the machinations of the evil one who keeps us from doing that spiritual training and discipleship that we should be doing every day. If you're a Christian, then you should be wanting to go pro, because it's only those who go pro who are able to stand in the kingdom with King Jesus, okay? But we're not training every day. Most of us are phoning it in every day because Satan... Gets us surfeiting. Surfeiting means partying, carousing, enjoying time with your friends, your family, just really getting around and living as though all this isn't going to come crashing down someday. You know, that's how we want to live. Drunkenness, we know what drunkenness is, but here it's not talking about drunk with wine. It's like not being sober, awake, alert. The whole point is we should be sober, awake, alert. People want to be drunk. They want to be distracted. They want to feel good. They want to just get lost in it all he's saying nope there's a purpose to every day be awake be alert and then the cares of this life the anxieties of life a lot of us have a way of getting stressed out that's why i always tell you all not to watch the news that's what the news is designed to do they pick up everything worth worrying about it and they feed it all to you real quick and in the most dramatic way possible they want us worked up the world wants us worked up so that we're not focusing on the main thing our main love So that's the whole point of this hour. It's to get together and encourage one another, hold one another accountable, and hear the word which says this is the main thing right here. We all need to focus on this above all things every day, and we need to be together of one mind and spirit doing it. And it's not easy. It's simple, but it's not easy. And so that's why we need this reminder once a week. Martin Luther said, I need to hear the gospel every day because every day I forget it. And if you and I are being sober and honest with ourselves, you and I, if we don't get constant reminders, we forget about what the most important thing is. You're here today because you needed the reminder. And whether or not the messenger is worthy to give it, we've heard God's word, and I hope you're reminded. So what we're going to do now, we're going to conclude worship with a song about Christ's second coming, Battle Hymn of the Republic. I love this hymn. I hope you do too. Um, And then some of us are going to leave because they always do, but I hope you stay and I hope you visit with us, and I hope, you, uh, I hope we're all brought closer together this day so that the Bible is more real to us when we go home than it was before we left. Let's stand and sing our closing hymn, number 717, Battle Hymn of the Republic.